This is what I'm going to talk about, inshallah, a little bit today, but next week for the final lesson, we're going to talk about tariqa and what are the tariqas and how many tariqas were there initially and how many are there today and what does the tariqa entails and does everybody have to follow a tariqa uh, and what are the aspects of the tariqa yani in the hierarchy, in the structure, uh, in the way that people join a tariqa, what is expected of them. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what does the tariqa does for a person who joins it. Okay, what are the benefits of the tariqa? And is it really a part of uh, the tasawwuf that used to be in the past? Or something being brought later on for a reason? So we'll talk about that next week, inshallah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any questions? Yes. If you are, if you are sick, ah, for for sickness, in health, yeah, for, yeah, uh, not in health, uh, no, no, in physical health, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, because uh, according to the teaching in Islam, uh, being sick can be of different level, physical, emotional, linked to the nafs, uh, psychological, linked to the mind, and spiritual, linked to the heart. So, when you have got a heart, broken heart, what's the medicine? The doctor cannot give you a medicine for that. Allah gives you in the Quran. Allah says, you say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Any test that brings fear to your heart, any time. Once you have that fear in your heart, you begin to read, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Okay, and this always coming to the spiritual heart because of the sense of loss. You lose a relative by death, a friend. Uh, you lose a colleague. Uh, you, for example, lose property, lose money, lose a job, lose an exam by failing, missing something in your life. Allah says this in the Quran of Al-Baqarah. So he said, two things you need to do, you persevere with patience, plus you recite inna lillahi wa inna If the matter is psychological to do with the mind, and this is usually to do with people who begin to stray, they're not focused, okay? And that comes out of anxiety. You see, the person is all over the place. Mm. What we do there as well, uh, a ruqya could be a good thing because it might be an effect of somebody uh, showing envy towards you. It might be an effect of somebody who looked at you but with an evil intent without them knowing and an evil eye. And those two things are there. Or it might be just a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a ruqya will deal with that to remove that kind of... And there are different ways of doing ruqya because ruqya is from the Quran. Uh, one companion was traveling with a group of companions and they passed in their return. They were hungry and tired by a group uh, who are camping, nomads, and they have everything. So they went and approached them and asked them for help. 
but they were too busy in and out. They did not adhere to their call. And they were shocked. Arabs, by nature, are very generous. They're always helping, supporting. So after a long time, they went and sat far away. Later on, somebody from the camp walked to them and asked them, is there anyone amongst you who's a uh, medical person, a doctor, a hakim? One put his hand and said, yes. The rest were astonished. They were almost going to attack him. How could you say such a thing? You're not a doctor. He said to the man, yes, I am. What do you need? He said, our elder who lead the tribe is very sick. He's been bitten by a snake. Would you help? He said, yes, take me to him. So he took him, and everybody was all over the place, frightened for their elder. Come here, my brother, come forward. And uh, so what happened is, straight away, he went into the tent, he found the man really suffering, he sat by him, he did some recitation, and after he finished, the man was calm, and then he left them and went and sat in the camp. After a while, he came and asked them all to come through. So they took them. And when they went, they were welcomed, they were fed, watered, looked after, and the sheikh himself came out to welcome them. Very happy that he was healed. And he said, because you're a good doctor, I'm giving you a present for you and your companion. So he gave them a herd of animals, uh, goats and, and sheep and whatever. So the rest, they were saying, how could you take that? He said, no, I'm taking it. So he took it and they were driving it back home. Those who were not happy, they rushed to the Prophet and they told him the story. Just like when you go for an outing as a teacher and the children come back and complain. So the Prophet called him. Is this true? He said, yes. And what did you read for him? He said, I read Surah Al-Fatiha. Did I teach you that? He said, no, Ya Rasulullah, but I, you told us Al-Fatiha is everything. It is the seven verses beside the Quran. Allah said, we have given you, O Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the seven great verses, Quran and the noble or great Quran. So, and how did you recite? He said, I put my hand where the bite was, and I read Al-Fatiha, and I repeated it seven times. And Allah healed him, because if the Quran heals, I'm just doing what the Quran tells us to do, because Allah said in the Qur'an, وَمِنَ الْقُرْآنِ Some of the Qur'an is healing, curing, and a way of mercy, but not for everybody. So the Prophet said to him, well done, and what is this about what they gave you? He said, well, they gave us presents, Ya Rasulullah. I didn't ask for anything. He said, then, well, divide it between you lot and give me my share as well. That's to prove it, to say it's okay. If somebody gives you a present, so the person, the healer, should never ask or demand. But the person can be gifted a gift. And in many cases, when the people receive the gift, they put it to Sabirullah as sadaqa. Because yani, sadaqa removes the anger of Allah. Sadaqa removes the obstacle from the path of the person. Sadaqa heals the sicknesses. 
all of them, whatever they are. And sadaqa uh, makes it easier for your approach to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the whole idea. So this is in regard of psychological. Emotional issues usually is to do with one's ego and nafs. And it comes in the form of uh, pressure in life when you are in debt, okay? And you are unable. When you are physically lazy, when you suddenly have an inability within yourself of doing anything, you, you want to do it but you can't. And it is all to do with self-discipline. Okay? If you are not self-disciplined, you, you lack, for example, self-esteem, motivation. If you notice in America, this is a very big thing. If you can train and become one of those, you become very rich. Because a lot of people need trainers to train them. Alaikum wasalam, welcome, welcome. So that's, that's the whole idea. Okay? Motivation, self-esteem. In that, you can also do ruqya by the Quran. Or you could do certain adhkar. Alaikum wasalam, rahmatullahi brother. How are you? Are you all right? I'm so sorry about yesterday. I'll tell you later on. Okay? Uh, adhkar that can يعني, benefit the person. And of this, Rasulullah says, if a person reads this or reads that, it will help them. So if you look at the reading of Rasulullah between the day and the night, there is too many adhkar to help you in this sense. Okay? For example, one of them, he said, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, through which nothing can harm you, in this earth or in the heaven. Okay? Because he is always hearing what you say and he knows everything of your condition. So if you read this three in the morning, all your day you will be saved from any harm and in the evening too. And there are many like this. So we read them. And the Sufis take according to their own way of strive some of those are reason. You see? And through the time when they are developed, the reading become more focused. You, see? you begin with, just like somebody studying in school, you study everything. By the time you get to your air level, you are doing only one or two subjects or three subjects maximum. By the time you get to university, you are focusing on one. Okay? That's the idea. Physically, when you are physically ill, there are too many different ways of reciting either ruqya or certain names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal you. Depending upon what you need to diagnose the illness and what name to read for. You see? Whatever name it is. One of the best names to read generally, the name Bari. It's not one of the 99 names, but it's a very good name to read. Yeah, Bari. If a person wants to يعني, be healed, specifically from the emotional side, things to do with the nafs, and to some extent physical traumas, yeah, Bari, yeah, Bari. Bari is Ba, Alif, Ra, and yeah, with Hamza, Bari. Yeah, yeah, Bari. Albar is one of the. Walaikum salam, mashaAllah, mashaAllah. Welcome. Albar is one of the ways through which you can يعني, say that Allah, Yabra'un Nufus, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, create egos through His name, Albari. 
create souls through his name Al-Amir Bi-Amrihi Okay And creates physical bodies By his name Al-Khaliq So on So this is the way But use this name Another name also which is useful Salam It's very good for healing So the person called yeah, Salam Anybody else with a question? What time is it now? Seven? Yeah, if there nobody have a question, we stop. Anybody with a question? Okay. So you we, can, we can tell people uh, to bring their questions for the end of the session like next week. Yes. They can write it down. I, I think it's very good, Ya Umar. If next week you are coming, because next week we'll do the last. This is not really the last thing about this subject. We can go further later on. But very important for me, next week when you come, if you have any question, we'll sit down and talk about it, because next week we really talk about the thing that many of you would like to know about the tariqah and the path of our mashayikh. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salam ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursalina sayyidna Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. Rabbi shirah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yabqahu qawli. Rabbi awzi'ni anashkur ni'mataka allati an'amta alayya wa ala walidayya. ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في ذريتي لتبت إليك وإني من المسلمين Now, up to now we spoke about تصوف it is meaning and who are those Sufis and why they were called Sufis and when it began to remove a lot of the ambiguity about that the Sufis brought these things later on, it is all confusion, it is not really from Islam and so the Prophet said, the best of generation is my generation, then those who follow them, then those who follow them the scholar says, the first generation who lived in the first hundred years of Hijrah the second one, second hundred years from 101 to 200 and the third one from 201 to 300 and we believe Tasawwuf has been there from the first generation. In fact, Ulama al Sufiya, the greatest Sufis, as I told you last week, lived in those three centuries. Today we are going to talk about Mafhuma Tasawwuf al Islami. What is the Islamic concept of Tasawwuf? This is very, very important. Now, all the scholars agree, and I'm going to read in Arabic their interpretation of that. They say, Manhaj Suluki Tarbawi. The understanding of Islamic Sufism is a curriculum that was put from the Quran and the Sunnah that will be for changing the behavior of the seeker and nurturing their soul. On the path of truth, okay, through the reality of teaching the person that the most two fundamental issues of being a Sufi is to be truthful and to be honest. Not just with yourself, with everyone, but paramount with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Through this, the best of behavior can be achieved 
by the person. Literally trying to equate this to what the Prophet said. The Prophet said, I was sent to complete the best of behavior. So you are seeking to perfect your conduct and behavior. Through this, okay, beautiful characteristic that you have within yourself, after learning how to behave as a human being through the teaching, okay, or the nurturing of the Sufis, hoping that Allah will enlighten one heart or the person who is seeking as a Sufi or a Murid or a, a student of Tasawwuf. Alaykum salam welcome. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the light of the knowledge. The light, come here. The light of the knowledge that you have learned and the reality of the existence of everything that Allah has created and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put into his creation for us to appreciate his presence, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many people don't realize that. They say before, you look at something, see Allah in the thing that you look at. Because whatever is beautiful in that, it is through Allah's beauty. Whatever is good in that, is through Allah's goodness. Whatever is powerful in that, through Allah's power. It's not by itself. Yeah, we are only alive because of him. That makes the seeker, okay, understand the difference between reality and falsehood. Between good and evil. Okay, between that which will lead him to his creator and that which will delay him from reaching his goal. This is the understanding. But this understanding is built upon the Quran and the Sunnah. What the Prophet said, what the Prophet did, and what the Prophet approved in his lifetime. Well, Ijma' that which the scholars agreed upon, the notable greatest scholars of Islam. Therefore, no scholar who lived in the first, second, or third generation ever said anything about the Sufis but good. Even as I said to you last time, Ibn Taymiyyah himself, whom today those who criticize the Sufi, they quote from him. He was a Sufi. And if you really want to understand what I'm saying, go back to his writing in his largest okay, uh, collection, Fatawi Ibn Taymiyyah, and you find in some of those Fatawa or those okay, rulings, he talks about Sufis, and whenever he mentioned Abdul Qadir al-Jailani, he will mention him with the absolute, absolute respect. Absolute respect. I'm trying to find any fault, but I never can find fault in what he's writing. He called him the greatest scholar. He called him the scholar of the scholars. He call, everything as we call our mashayikh today who are really... Because he said he never saw a fault in him as somebody who was really just for the world. He was for the hereafter. He was honest and truthful in his living Islam. Well, ijtihad and the strive of the scholars to realize the understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah for the time and the place they live. Very, very important. So ijtihad is always there. Okay? We have to think of this in our religion. And therefore... It is a path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
tariq and therefore we call a single path that has been established by a scholar a tariqa okay this comes from the quran in surah al-jinn verse 16 sapara tabarak or juzu tabarak surah al-jinn one of the most beautiful surahs and there is benefit that i learned in it and i can give it to you uh, i never gave it before but if you read the first 10 verses of surah al-jinn every morning every evening you will be protected very very beautiful verses if you can memorize them memorize i was given this when i was young it will take your mind away from yani any difficulty with that allah said in this verse surah al-jinn verse 16 wa allaw istaqamu ala at-tariqati la asqaynahum ma'an qadaqa and if only they stay steadfast those seekers of the truth on the tariqa on the path we will give them or we will give them in their hearts water in abundance how can that happen but allah doesn't mean literally water as the liquid that we drink allah means spiritual light here and to prove this as the sheikh said wal murad bil ma huna al haqiqa rabbaniya what allah intend by calling it water here is the reality of the almighty allah of understanding our creation and our, the purpose of our creation alladhi ahya bihi allahu alqulub through which allah will give life to the hearts now subhanallah this proves what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said clearly that مثل الذي يذكر ربه والذي لا يذكر ربه كمثل الحي والميت the example of the one who remembers Allah and the one who does not is like the living and the dead and the tariqa is built upon dhikr continuous remembrance of Allah so if you ask any person who is following up tariqa his main job is to do a lot of dhikr he is encouraged to do that okay and the prophet said to the companion who asked him i want to be close to allah i want to be in the past all the time he said let your tongue always be moist remembering allah or with the remembrance of allah and so here literally you are in the tariqa if you are remembering allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if you are remembering allah you are alive and if you are not remembering him you are dead qiyasan min allah azza wa jalla ibadihi almuhsinin and allah acknowledges his pure true servants by putting this light in their hearts yeah allah give ghawth or as we say literally in our daily language najda so when you call upon allah ya allah he will give you helps immediately through his name muqith and the way people say ya muqith aghithna ya muqith aghithna o you who answer quick those who are in desperate need for allah said in the quran amma yajibul muttara idha da'a who will answer the call of the one who is desperate 
but Allah. So when you are in desperate need, and you really need Allah, this is the name you call, Ya Mughith. Yeah, one of the greatest Sufi Mashaikh ever to come to London. I have never seen very, very few people like him. He is a Kurdish Iraqi. A lot of the Sufis who are from Kurdistan are powerful men. A Kurdish Iraqi. Welcome, Sidi. A Kurdish Iraqi, very, very powerful man. Muhammad Usman Sirajuddin, very famous. We are lucky to see him. A man whom, yani, you don't have to ask him, he knows. I've seen that myself. Yani, not something I read or been told. I have witnessed it in his coming here to this country. He came a few times. And he said to me once, people really don't understand. Allah works according to the manhaj he put, according to that way he taught you to behave and act. So if you really need him for certain things, use what he asks you to use. So he said, if you need him, you are in desperate need, pray your turagat, stay in your prayer mat, and call, Ya Muqith, Ya Muqith, and Allah will answer you, inshallah. Yeah, will give you what you want. And in the prophetic, okay, wording that is reported from him, alayhi wa salatu wassalam, to show that the Prophet also used the word ma or ghaith to show knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? وَقَدْ وَرَدَ فِي الْأَثْرَ النَّبَوِيِّ الْمَاءَ وَالْغَيْثِ دَلَالَ عَلَى الْعِلْمَ الْإِيمَانِ It is knowledge that is manifesting from faith. وَالْهَدْيَ الرَّبَّانِ And the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As he said in the Athar, مَثَلُ مَا بَعَثَنِ اللَّهُ بِهِ مِنَ الْهُدَى the example of what Allah has given me to deliver to you in guidance is like rain falling in a barren land. So when you are lost and suddenly you find that stream of light into your heart guiding you to the truth, it's not really from yourself, it's from Allah. The best example for this is when there is a land that is barren and there is no growth in it and suddenly rain comes, suddenly something will grow. Therefore, Therefore, the behavioral okay, nurturing in the understanding of those who call themselves Sufis it is Allah's path that he initiated himself for his servant to come to him. In my traveling, learning, listening, I link things together. And once I sat with the Sheikh once and I heard him saying a hadith qudsi, or you teach a hadith qudsiya, he says in this hadith qudsi, okay, come forward, Sidi, come here. And so those sisters can sit in the back there. He said in this hadith, Qudsi, Ya Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's calling him, Oh Muhammad, Allah is saying, Law salaku ilayya tariq. If those who claim to believe in you took any path to come to me, 
او استفتحوا علي باب اور اوبنني دور اور جيت تو انتر انت ماي بريزنت لن يدخلوا الجنه حتى ياتوا خلفك يا محمد they will never enter paradise until they come behind you لن يدخلوا الجنه حتى ياتوا خلفك يا محمد they will never so from here you could realize okay that the path is a path Allah initiated himself but you can never go to him subhanahu wa ta'ala without Muhammad okay and this is from the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word Rabbani so a Sufi literally is a servant of the Lord we call him Rabbani he lives for his Lord he's a servant he's a slave he will never question he will always accept and when look we look at the earlier generation of the first companion of the prophet sallam whom today we find to sit in their place of honoring at dakka dakkatul aghwat as we call it or as-suffa for those who used to come to try to pray in the first line dressed in a very very simple way of clothing having nothing in their stomach but they are tying belt on their stomachs so that they don't feel the hunger and their stomach don't rumble but yet when you look at them you think they are the richest Allah said in the Quran ta'rifuhum bisimahum min at-ta'affuf you know that they are rabbaniyun you know that they are true servant of Allah true slaves because they will never put their hand knowing that the prophet said اليد العليا خير من اليد السفلى the hand that gives is better than the hand that receives so they keep themselves to themselves because in doing that and this they are saying to Allah imagine you are living with your parents and they are doing everything for you and for one reason or another the food is not ready and you go and knock at the neighbor's door I'm really hungry my mom didn't cook anything how shameful that will be that means you don't trust in your own mother So a Sufi think like that. How could I complain? For Allah said in the Quran, you cannot question Allah. So the more Allah is testing the Sufi, the more the Sufi is persevering with patience because he trusts in Allah. Allah mentioned the word Rabbaniyin, Rabbaniyun, I think two or three times in the Quran, in Surah Al-Imran and Al-Ma'idah, talking about some of the earlier generation before Islam. Allah called them Rabbaniyun, literally meaning people who understood the knowledge, practiced the knowledge, and lived their life with the knowledge. The Sufis, they mixed the knowledge with the actions. It's not just learning and living or doing without knowledge. Must be two. Okay? Fi Ali Imran al-Amin. Okay? Ay al-ulama al-alimina bi-ahkam illahi al-muqtafina athar anbiya'ihim. Rabbaniyun, they are the scholars who understood the teaching of Allah from their scripture and those who followed the path of their prophets and the Sufis have to understand the Quran and follow the Muhammad Sallallahu This is when we say it is yani, manhaj it means tariqa okay? from here we understand where the word tariqa comes from someone must say what is tariqa it's from the Quran Okay, it's from the Quran that I proved to you now. When it comes to Suluki, which is behavioral, it means as sayr wal amal. It means 
you pass your life learning and putting in practice what you have learned. Because unless you practice what you have learned, you're useless. And if you are really truly believing in Allah as a human being, you have to realize Allah said in the Quran, Ya yuhalladhina amanu, O you who believe, lima taquluna ma la tab'alun. Why do you say that which you do not act upon? Kabura maqtan an taqulu ma la tab'alun. It is indeed the greatest of sins beside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to practicing your religion to say that which you don't act upon. And this is very sad. A lot of the people today, you hear the saying, but there is nothing to prove it. When you meet the real people of Allah, what they say, they have done. They don't say anything that they haven't done. And no Sufi I have known in my lifetime, that is, they practice what they preach. They don't just preach and tell others to do and they are not doing anything. Okay? And this, to take them to the stations of the enlightenment of the heart. So the Sufi is really trying to get his heart enlightened by Allah. Wanting Allah to be in their heart. Why they are doing that? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised he will be with those who will be with him. Azkuruni, azkurkum. Mention me, I will mention you. Azkuruni, azkurkum. Ana inda hutazan abdi bi. I am according to the way my servants think of me. You think good of Allah? Allah gives you good. You think bad of Allah? Then it's up to you. So when I say the Sufi doesn't go out and ask because he trusts in Allah. He will keep his duty. And he will do the right thing. Okay? And through certain criteria, the murid then practice. The student of the Sawuf practice. And these are the thing that every one of you should take notice of clearly. Okay? And there are seven of them. Yeah? Number one, the Sufi takes Tawbah to be paramount. Tawbah meaning repentance. The Sufi, if you don't repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now. They will never do anything without repentance. They feel repentance is the most important way to open the door to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At-tawbah. And it is the first part of their path. Of the seeker to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because the Prophet sallallahu says, Okay? Ya ayyuhannas, O you mankind, do turn to Allah in repentance, for I, Muhammad, turn to him every day, an infinite time. Mi'a in Arabic mean infinite number, or mean a hundred, but we take it, the latter, a hundred. Because if we said continue to do istighfar, okay? So a hundred. My advice to any Muslim, whether they are following a path or not, this is the path of Muhammad Sallam giving you the instruction. Every Muslim must read every day minimum a hundred Astaghfirullah. Or Astaghfirullah al-Azim. Or Astaghfirullah al-Azim wa atubu ilayh. 
أو استغفر الله العظيم الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه ورستغفر الله الغفور الغفار أو استغفر الله الغفور الرحمن أو استغفر الله الغفور الرحيم there are many different variations but the minimum استغفر الله everyone can do that for every time you say استغفار Allah wipe away a sin and Allah writes a good deed but Allah when you do a good deed he multiplies it by ten you understand and who could have committed more than a hundred sin in his day <laughs> so you are benefiting you wipe away a hundred sins if you have them astaghfirullahalazim but then, <laughs> then Allah for every good deed for saying astaghfirullah he multiplied by ten you have a thousand good deeds in your book what a good thing so it, the enlightenment then comes the light from Allah comes to your heart number two and by the way for tawbah there is the, the name Allah at-tawab ya tawab you could read it as well. Depending upon which path, which sheikh who's teaching you, you read the name Tawab. Yeah? I remember when I was uh, in, in 1994, 95, I was uh, new in Islamic schools, and they asked me to go to classes and sit with kids and just give them a little bit of story. Or something like and it was hard to go to little kids, so I went to a class whereby there are children who are about, I think, six, six years old. So they were sitting there, so I was telling them a, a story about forgiveness. Because in the playground, children don't forgive one another, and they are fighting, and they want revenge. They want the teacher to beat the child. You know? <laughs> so I was telling them, I said, look, before we and I, learn how to forgive others, we should learn to ask Allah to forgive us, because we are all wrongdoers. The Prophet said, Kullu ibn Adam khata. Every son of Adam or daughter of Adam is a sinner. But the best of them are those who repent. And then I was teaching them the two names. Okay? Yani, Ya Ghafoor, Ya Ghaffar. O forgiver, who wipes away all sins. And then I said to them, close your eyes, and now all that which you did wrong in your lifetime, especially lying to your mother and dad at home, because children say, we do lie. Then just keep repeating. I'll tell you, Allah is my witness. They were repeating, Ya Ghafoor. Quietly, but you could hear them. And then their tears were running, some of them. And when they opened their eyes, they said, we're crying. Why are we crying? Because they're sinless. So they say, we, the adults, when we repeat the remembrance of Allah, and it's not يعني, affecting our hearts, then we should make ourselves cry. Because once you make dhikr, the lowest that can happen to you is for your skin to shiver. Then your hair to stand. And then for your tears to fall. So they say, if you cannot be among those who cry, make yourself cry. Just, just even make it up. Since <laughs> they just make the noise. <laughs> Allah is aware of your condition. Yeah, maybe he can then listen. The second station for them to move on in this path is what we call al-wara'. Al-wara'. Al-wara' literally meaning to remove yourself from everything that Allah or his Messenger has forbidden. A person who is wari' he will think twice before committing something that Allah has forbidden. No. It's wrong. Just like you are driving in the street, you know the law says don't drive in the right side. Drive on the left. You can say it doesn't matter. I'm a Muslim. I drive on the right. 
you know, at least you should fear killing somebody or killing yourself, but you worry about the police coming and, you see, taking away your license or charging you, you have to pay some money, okay? And therefore they say, that the Sufi who's traveling in this journey, in this path to Allah, to avoid by all means any, anything Allah has forbidden, or Sayyidina Muhammad has forbidden. Because Allah said in the Quran, And do obey Allah and obey the Messenger. And in another verse said, Indeed, the one who obeyed the messenger has become obedient to Allah. You cannot be disobedient to the Prophet and you think you are obedient to Allah. It doesn't make any sense. And to keep away from anything that is doubtful. You are not aware? Be careful. Don't enter into things with doubt. Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the companion said, قَالَ الرَّسُولَ the Prophet said, Be wary, be somebody who avoid that which has haram in it, you will be the best of the worshippers. You pray all night, you fast all day, you do all the rituals, but you are into the haram. Now something is wrong. Yeah? Something is definitely. Number three, Az Zuhd. This is one of the most important pillars through which they travel to achieve. It is to remove yourself in any inclination toward the material world. Don't love the material world. You can have some of them, but don't love it. If you don't have it, then you are all broken. You have a, a beautiful car you love very much and suddenly it's stolen. You're sitting there crying over it. Forget about it. The one who took it can replace it for you. That's what the idea. So don't love the dunya. Don't love the material world. Okay? So a Sufi will remove his love from the dunya and empty his heart from anything that he does not possess. So what you don't have, don't put in your heart. Oh, I wish I have that house. Oh, I would love to have that car. Oh, I would love to be a billionaire. So you're putting things in your heart that they have not in your heart. You're busying yourself with something that when you stand to pray and you say, I can't concentrate because you are too much concentrating on the material world. How can you then concentrate in the spiritual world? You can't. Simple. People ask me, is there anything I can read to concentrate in my salah? Keep away that which is not in your hand, away from your heart. And then you can concentrate. Don't. Anything you don't have, forget it. Leave it. If Allah wants to give it, He will give it to you. Okay? Allah said about this in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa, verse 77. Tell them, O Muhammad, the pleasure of this world, Allah called it the lower world, is little. It's only little. But the hereafter is better to those who avoid the forbidden. Wallahi al-Azim. Allah is my witness. It's so easy to travel to Allah if you just avoid. It's difficult to avoid everything. You will fall into something. 
Your nafs is too tough. It's more wilder than the wildest horse that you want to tame. Very hard. When nafs in Imam al-Busiri says, your nafs is like the baby who's been breastfed. But once the mother stops them, they'll stop. But if you keep them, they'll keep coming. But there is a way to stop them from wanting that, and then they will stop. And then Allah said in Surah Al-Zukhruf, the glitter, verse 35, وَإِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ وَإِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Indeed, everything you see in this lower world is the pleasure of this lower world. However, the hereafter with your Lord is for those who avoid the forbidden. So as if Allah is telling us, don't love the dunya. Don't love what is in the hand of people. Don't look at people and say, I wish I have what they have. Are you telling Allah he is unjust? Are you saying to Allah, why are you giving him, not giving me? Are you questioning the izzah, the honor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If only you know why Allah, he gave him a million and gave you nothing. He gave him a palace and gave you a hut. Then you will understand why. There are many, uh, this is not the time for it, but there are many ahadith to do about this subject, the dunya, make us understand. Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are people, if I give them, they will run away from me. And there are those, when I don't give them, they will run away from me. So those who will run away from him because they are not having, he will give them. And so on. So he's trying to balance our natures and give us that which will make us easy. Number four, al-faqr, poverty. We don't mean poverty by not having that which will make you live your life. Because poverty, in the sense of being <coughs> neglecting of your existence, of having that which will sustain you, that's not good. So we help the poor. The poor is the most important person whom our heart should yearn to help. Indeed, one's charity begins with the poorest person, the one who does not know where his next meal is coming from. This is a faqir. But here in the sense of the Sufis, al-faqr, okay, an yaqbal al-mutasawif, Allah yamlik shay'an, wa an yaktaf bil-daruri. The Sufi is happy that he does not own anything, except that he is able to sustain himself so that he can stand on his two legs to be able to worship Allah, not to go and ask people. So if he has that which will sustain him to maintain his life, he is happy. But to own or not to own? I ask you a question. What did the Prophet ﷺ possessed and he left behind that was of value? Material value. Nothing. Abu Huraira when he saw the people in Medina becoming dunya orientated or materially orientated, they are not coming to the masjid a lot, like in the earlier days. One day he went to the middle of the market and made big call. Oh, people, listen to me. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. When people listen to him, Abu Huraira, the inheritance of the Prophet is being divided in the masjid. Inheritance? Allahu Akbar. They all run, left their businesses. When they came, they found nothing. Once a person reading Quran, a few people studying together, people reflecting. What is this, Abu Huraira? You lie to us? He said, 
What did the Prophet left to inherit other than this? Knowledge, learning knowledge. You left this is the inheritance. If you're busy with material, accumulating it, you're not going to bury it with you. So this is the concept of fagr in the Sufi understanding. Why? لِيَمْضِي فِي طَعَطِ So you only have sufficient needs to be sustaining yourself so that you will be able to be obedient to Allah. Because the more you have, the more taken away from Allah you will be. And in this, or to this end, the hadith Qudsi came. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says through Jibreel, Adam, O son of Adam, I created you for my sake. And I created everything else for your sake. Do not busy yourself with that which I created for you. However, busy yourself with me. Be very busy with Allah, not with what Allah created for you. I always give the example, you travel after a long journey, as a father or a mother coming to your children, you know what they want, chocolate, sweets, whatever, uh, ice cream and toys, and the moment they come run to you, they see what you, they take it and they run away from you, not even a kiss or a cuddle. <laughs> Whom do they love? What you brought? Or you see, that's not, not good enough. Don't let people yani, be bought by your presence so that they can love you. No. Even children. Don't, don't train them to love you for what you give them. Seriously. Let them love you for what you are. Okay? By being kind, generous, gentle. Okay? Number six. Oh, sorry, number five. As-sabr. Patience. One of the greatest means of reaching Allah to the Sufis. What does it mean? Habsun nafs ala karih. Restraining oneself when tested. This is patience. Somebody says something hitting in your heart and you could react but you hold your tongue. Somebody insults you but you hold your tongue. Somebody hits you but you hold your hand. Can you remember the fairest two men who were fighting and one of them was about to kill the other and he says to his brother even if you raise your hands to kill me I will never raise my hand. That is Qabil and Habil. Habil was the more patient, tolerant, saying to Qabil, I will not fight you. That is where we need to be. Rasulullah sallam is reported, he was sitting with the companion, and the most beloved to him is Bakr Sadiq. Why he loved him? Because he was always like him. He never answered back, he never says anything to anybody, not upset anybody. And in a majlis, a man walked in and started insulting Abu Bakr. And Abu Bakr was just sitting quietly. And the Prophet was smiling. And the man kept adding. Until it came to a position, the man started to understand it will not hurt him if I just say it about him. Started going beyond him to, into his family and those whom he loves. And he said something that really hit him. And he answered back. The Prophet ﷺ, smile is taken away and moved out. When he came back, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, when the man was insulting me, he was smiling at me. When I answered back something that I need to defend, you lost your smile and moved away from here. He said, because before, the malaika were here. Once you replied and your anger was shown in what you said, the malaika left. I cannot stay in a place where there is no malaika, or the malaika will leave from. So in this sense, an example given literally to everybody, and it, we are included. 
Don't answer. Don't put fuel into the fire. Especially in these modern days, a lot of us, they really want an answer. If you notice, even your children, they're sitting with you on the bus and somebody looks at them and says, what are you looking at? Excuse me. You are looking at them. This is why you notice they are looking at you. Don't look at them. Put your head down. And this is something that we are teaching our children by example and getting courage. I always tell my parents in the school that I taught in, if children are naughty, it's coming from the parents. I say, why? We are not. I said, they see you in courage. A man passed you by, overtaken you, do something. You open the window, you shout at them. Sometimes you forget your children, you swear at them. Uh, and then the children copy from you. And the children are easy to learn. Okay? Sometimes patience can come to the person, you have something beautiful, and you cannot have it anymore. Be patient. It might come again. So it might be something testing in the sense of giving you a campaign in your heart or something that you cannot wait to have back again. But be patient. Allah will give it to you. In the Sufi way, the murid or the student of the school of the Sufi, he will be patient for every condition he finds himself in. Every condition. And therefore, we were taught to say, Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. Praise be to Allah for every condition we are in. Don't just say Alhamdulillah. But sometimes I say, How are you, my brother? I'm okay. Is everything all right? Alhamdulillah. <laughs> You're not happy. What is that? Just Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. We had a head teacher in my school called Abdullah Trevathan. Some of you maybe know an American. Whenever you ask him, he always say Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. I used to really love him. And he's a Sufi as well. He said to me, this is the best thing I learned from the Sufis. Because I want to be true in what I say. Every condition I'm in, I'm happy. If Allah give me, I'm happy. If he doesn't give me, I'm happy. If I'm sick, I'm happy. If I'm healthy, I'm happy. It's from him and to him. Okay? He will never ask nor complain, knowing that the hand that gives is better than the hand that receives, as it was reported by the Prophet and the Quran says, وَهُوَ لَا يُسْأَلْ وَهُمْ يُسْأَلُونَ Allah cannot be asked or questioned, but we will be questioned. When you say, why me? I pray all my prayers, and I'm doing everything, but not happening to me. They are always doing wicked things, and they're achieving the best. But it's not the way to judge things. You're questioning Allah in His ruling of the world. Allah rules. أَلَا لَهُ الْحُكْمُ Indeed, for him, retain every rule that we are governed by. Trump today is ruling America. Do you think he chose to rule? Allah chose him to rule. For a wisdom, Allah knows. Wallahi al-Azim. Did this uh, prime minister of ours choose to rule? Yesterday, she was in a job as a minister or a secretary of state. But today, she's the prime minister. She was lucky, the person before. If she, would she have been? If she was elected or went for election, maybe not. But Allah chooses for a reason. Allah said in the Quran, mulka man yasha. Allah gives kingship to whomever he wishes, rulership to whomever he wishes, and takes away from whomever he wishes. You can become today the biggest ruler in the world, but tomorrow you wake up with nothing. But we need to understand that is from Allah. Regarding patience, the Sufis 
work very hard on this. This is for them it's the hardest test because in it the reward is greatest. Number one, in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 155, Allah says, Give the good tidings, O Muhammad for those who will persevere with patience. So they want to be in this lot. In Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 153, Allah said, Indeed Allah is with those who will persevere with patience. If you are a patient person, Allah is always with you. So if you want Allah to be with you, be patient. Otherwise, Allah is not there. In Surah Al-Imran 146, Allah says, Allah loves those who are patient. We want Allah to love us. This is an easy way for Allah to love you. So any way to bring Allah close to us or to draw the, 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 the road, make it shorter, then the Sufis will strive on it. And then in Surah Al-Zumar, Verse 10, Allah says, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ Indeed, those who will persevere with patience, their reward will be without count. Wow. I can't say it more better than this. If, if Allah says, just be patient, and I will reward you in abundance. Rather than giving you one to one, or one to ten, or one to hundred, I'll give you without limit. I want that. This is what the Sufis strive for. Number six, at-tawakkul, dependence upon Allah. Islam, in general, called upon all the Muslims to strive to be among those who depend upon Allah. And Islam shunned tawakkul. Tawakkul meaning to say, well, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Allah created me. Why should I go and strive to get knowledge or to end living? I just sit in my bed, in my home, and it will come to me. This is called tawakkul. Tawakkul is to tie your camel. Do what you are supposed to do, and then leave it to Allah, and Allah will fulfill for you what you want. In the Sufi understanding, it is leaving, okay, your concerns away from the lower world. Don't concern yourself too much with this lower world. Don't plot and plan. And don't worry too much. Do what makes your life easy to live. Because Allah who created me and you is the one who is running your life for you. If you carry out his duties. A slave in this life a master buys him. A master looks after his slave. He will feed him. He will water him. He will because he is his product. If he doesn't and he dies, he lost his money. So he does everything to keep him so that he can serve him. So the, the slave just works. The slave of Allah knows Allah who created him and commanded him to carry out certain responsibilities. As long as he does that, Allah will maintain him. Allah will provide for him from areas that he will never know. I met this great scholar, Egyptian, in Mecca, in Ramadan, making itikaf. You look at him, you don't see the people of today. You see the people of yesterday. The good, pious men you read about. 
And when they were talking, and I was very young, the difference in the age between me and him at least maybe 50, 60 years, he said to me, son, let me tell you one thing. If you live our way, Allah will never let you go astray. Once, as a student, I was rushing from a place to a place in the desert looking for a teacher through which I can benefit a certain kind of knowledge. And I made my intention and I traveled with some friends whom our sheikh told us we have the permission to go and look. When we were traveling and we were lost, every one of them is make own one said, let us go back. We can't go. Once I said, no. We were given the permission to go. We will carry on. He said, some left, some took a different direction. I just carried on in the path I was told. He said, it was tough. It was hard. I thought I will die. But he said, by Allah Almighty God, when I was so weak and there is nothing for me to drink or eat, and I said, Ya Allah, I'm here only for you. Nothing. I don't want anything. Subhanallah, he said, from a distance, I could see something on the ground. First, I thought maybe it is mirage. Sarab. But then when I came approach, I saw beautiful, fresh data. They were cut from the tree, put in front of me. With nada. Little bit of water on them. Okay? He said, I couldn't believe I took it. I still imagining it to be just mirage. Until I put it in my mouth and I was chewing it. I said, no, this is, not, this is real death. Allah provide. Well, he said, and then I reached. And Allah gave me plenty because I followed the path. I trusted in Allah. And therefore, regarding tawakkul in Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 11, Allah said, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَعَلَى اللَّهَ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And do avoid what Allah has forbidden and upon Allah depend those who trust in Him. Do you trust in Allah? You ask yourself. So the murid is taught to trust in Allah. Okay? In Surah Talaq, verse 3, Surah Talaq is a very short surah. It speaks about different things. I'm talking about this word talaq, which is not a very nice word. Indeed, the most disliked lawful act in the sight of God is talaq, divorce. Not very beautiful, because it brings a lot of difficulties. But Allah said, if there is no other means, I'm allowing it, but I don't like it. If you cannot do it, keep away from it. In the middle of the verses, Talking about Allah, Allah put a verse which is really beautiful. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُ And whosoever depend upon Allah, Allah will be sufficient for them. وَمَا يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ This is verse 3, Surah Al-Tala. وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُ وَيَرْزُخُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَهِ And Allah will provide for them as if to say to those who are married and fighting over the lower thing, the money, who will have what, the children, uh, who can have them for this. What is nonsense? The children are both of you. They can't benefit with one. They need to benefit with the two. Be above your selfish need for the need of those whom Allah made you responsible for. Be more mindful. Any division in what you do by argument and fighting is only going to impact on them. Imagine two farmers shared the farm, and until it gave fruit, and the day they came to share the fruit, they start fighting over it. 
No, I, I, if you don't do that, I'm going to pull it, I'm going to destroy it. What the benefit? These are your fruits, the children. But Allah is telling them without them noticing while they're reading, looking for the rules. Everyone wants their barrister, their lawyer to win and how much they can have. And Allah says, at that position, at that moment, the one who will seek the support of Allah and depend upon him alone, Allah will be there for them. Don't do it for yourself, do it for Allah. And Allah then will provide for you from areas that you have never even thought of. In Surah An-Nahl, verse 99, Allah says, Regarding shaitan. Most of us blame shaitan for everything. And 99% of the time, he is not to be blamed. It's our nafs, our egos, our desires that is misleading us. Our selfishness. Our love of the lower world and the materials within the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is saying, Iblis has no power over anyone. Specifically those who believe and those who depend upon Allah. If you have to work on Allah, Iblis will do nothing to you. Wallahi The weakest of the creation of Allah is Iblis. Your nafs is more powerful than Iblis. In fact, some of the scholars say women are more powerful than Iblis. If Iblis comes to test you as a man, and a woman comes to test you, you will fail with the woman, you will not fail with the bliss. Yeah? This is where we need to be understanding. Ali Imran, verse 159, Allah then gave the Prophet this. After you consulted, you made your istikhara, and you are now about to carry on your action, then leave it to Allah. Inna Allaha yuhibbul mutawakkilin For Allah loves those who depend upon him. And the whole thing for the Sufis is how to achieve Allah's love. That's it. Nothing else. Every Sufi, woman or man, worked very hard just to achieve Allah's love. Nothing else. Number seven, al-rida. This is the last one in the journey. Al-rida. Acceptance of whatever takes place in your life. And in the Sufi way, in the Sufiya, أَنْ يَتَقَبَّلَ الْمُرِيدُ كُلَّ مَا يَأْتِي بِهِ اللَّهِ The Murid will accept anything that Allah brings forth to them. Good or bad. Inflicted. Alhamdulillah. Go to the doctor, the doctor, the doctor, ah, doctor, what did you find about that growth in my body? Well, I'm sorry to tell you the bad news. It's cancerous. They were sitting there crying, Cry for what? This is, this is what we don't understand. If you look at your condition when you are passing through a test, Wallahi, in that moment, there are people who are worse than you in many, many degrees. If totally you went because your shoulder is not proper or you fractioned the finger or a hand, imagine there is somebody whom he lost his hand. Somebody born without a hand. You have a hand. Why are you worried about it? We are sometimes like children. We don't realize all those things that take place in our daily life are by Allah. To test us. For he promised that he will test us. He said, indeed we will test you. Okay? And this, 
you should do with an acceptance from your heart. Rida, not just say I accept. No, no, should be from the heart. We call it Tuma'neenat al-Qalb. In Surah Al-Fajr, verse 27, Allah said, Ya ayyatuha nafsa al-mutma'inna. In next week, we're going to talk about how the Sufis work with this nafs. The Sufis work so hard doing all those seven things so that they can reach the position where their heart is settled. Their heart is mutma'in, in a condition of peace within itself. Allah said, when you reach that, then you can come to me. If you don't reach there, you are far away from Allah. Inshallah, in details we'll talk about next week and how we can find that and what kind of askar we do. Even if you don't follow a Sufi tariqah because the Prophet gave it, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, generally to everybody. If the murid or the seeker of the path of the Sufis reaches position, then his heart becomes enlightened. Ready for the knowledge of Allah through inspiration to be guided to him. Only then you will be inspired. Other than that, it's all over the place. It could be your ego, it could be shaitan, it could be shaitan from the jinn, it could be a human shaitan, it could be whatever. It is wishy-washy. But when you have that tuma'nina in your heart, then you are ready to take off. And this can only be achieved, as I said, by having those. Okay? Clearly, as we mentioned them here. Okay? You need to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need to remove yourself from every haram. You need to remove yourself from the love of the lower world and leave your love only to the hereafter and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need to not worry about what you possess in this world, but what are you possessing for the hereafter. Indeed, the hereafter is more important than this world. Act with patience and depend upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and accept His will through what we call Tuma'nina. Okay? That's it. Now, what is the fruits of these seven different ways of living your life as a murid? While you are traveling in your journey to Allah. The fruits is to know Allah. Because most of us, we believe in Allah, but we don't know who He is. How can you believe in somebody you don't know? Wallahi al-Azim. If you ask a lot of Muslims who Allah is, they say He is the Creator. Who al Khaliq. What else? Who Rahman? What else? The children say the same thing. But really who Allah is? That is very, very significant in the life of somebody. Okay? This, for us the seekers, comes into two realities. Ma'rifat Allah comes into two, or being knowing who Allah is, comes into two realities. Number one, ma'rifat haqq. An awareness and a reality of truth. وهي أن تعرف الله بما تدل عليه أسماؤه التي يسمى بها نفسه. To know Allah through His attributes that He chose for Himself. Hence, Rasulullah says, "لله تسعة وتسعين اسم من أحصاها دخل الجنة." For Allah, there are ninety-nine names. Whosoever 
memorize them, understand them, call Allah upon them, put them in practice in his life, for sure you will enter paradise. Because you get to know who Allah is. There are three areas, maybe four areas in the Quran, which Allah describes himself. Number one, Ayat al-Kursi. Read Ayat al-Kursi. It is a big, big, big verse. The most greatest verse in the Quran. Powerful verse. Yeah? There are a lot of ways through which you could use it, but we'll talk about it in the future, inshallah. Then, verse 163, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Then, after that, the six verses at the beginning of Surah Al-Hadid, the first six verses in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah described himself there. And then, the last three verses of Surah Al-Hashr, And then Surah Al-Ikhlas, In those four areas, you find Allah speaking about himself. If I am you, you should read them. When I was studying and learning, I was always behind يعني, knowing exactly who, who this Allah is. Allah said, yeah, get to know me. At the beginning, there was a student who studied me, they said, well, come on, you're bringing things, what are you adding on? Just you should do what you are supposed to do, follow the Sharia. I said, I'm following the Sharia, but I want to know who he is properly. And I used to read the secrets that are in the Quran, like the beginning of the surah, like Alif Lam Mim. What's Alif Lam Mim? If you just read it by itself, say Alam. Alam meaning pain. Definitely it's not. It's Alif Lam Mim. Three letters separate, they're not a word. Qaf. Allah said Qaf. Allah said Noon. Says Saad. Kaf Haya Aim Saad. What does that mean? I wanted to know. Allah didn't give it to us just not to know. When we were reading Surah Al-Kaf, and Allah says, the people, or the number of the people of the cave, people say they are three, people say they are four, people, yeah? They are seven. But Allah said, nobody knows their number, except for few. I spent a lot of time, I want to know, who are those few who knew? Is there anyone alive I can go to our house? Out of curiosity and out of wanting, why Allah put those things? Not for nothing. It is for you to seek. When you seek things like that, just like the person who loves cooking, every time somebody talks about a recipe, they want to know. Wow. You have that recipe? Or uh, people who love films, they want to know. That film, Allah Akbar. And then you find, uh, when I was young and I used to say, here in Sudan, I'm telling you, people used to talk about cinema and films and mention. And when I sit with them, I don't know anything. And I want to know, they say, you will not know. Thank God I didn't know. But I, they used to act like intellectual. They know things. They talk about this thing. Even now, if you see students sitting, they're talking about uh, cinema stars and this film and who's that. And I'm listening to them, my goodness. What are they talking about? That kind of love should be about the Quran, about Allah, if you, if you are a seeker. I'm giving this example. And you could have that, but you are having it in the wrong place. 
Have it for the Quran. Have it for these secrets. I want to know them. Why do you waste your time? You want to know Yajuj and Majuj. I don't want to know Yajuj and Majuj. Because when they come, they come. They're going to destroy the world. <laughs> everybody, even the Westerners, the atheists, everybody say, you talk in Islam about the end of time, yeah? Is Trump, is it really there is three minutes left? And since he arrived, half a minute is gone? What is nonsense? This is all nonsense. People are worried about Dajjal, Mahdi coming. We should, we should learn about it, believe in it as Muslims. When it comes, it comes. The question is, am I ready for it? You can only be ready if you know what Allah is talking about in the other side. You see? The second ma'rifa or awareness of the haqiqah of Allah, وَهِيَ مَعْرِفَةَ حَقِيقَةَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ To know the reality of his essence. فَلَا سَبِيلَ إِلَيْهَا There is no way to know his essence. سبحانه وتعالى. لَأَنَّ عُقُولَ الْبَشَرَ عَاجِدَ عَنْ إِدْرَاكَ حَقِيقَةِ اللَّهِ The minds of the humans will never be able to comprehend the reality of God. It is being given in the Quran. People today want, oh, well, if they are created, why don't we see him? Why can't we hear him? Who are you? Imagine you have got an equipment that is not able to carry out bigger responsibility and you want to reach if your telephone okay, is not able to ring abroad you can't ring abroad can you use your mobile to talk to somebody in the morning you can't when you are in your plane can you talk to somebody through your phone you can't unless they allow you to they open a channel for you to speak your mind is not capable of understanding Allah this is in the Quran when Musa said Rabbi arini anzur ilayk my lord show me I want to look at you Allah said, he didn't say, well, let me think about it. Or, well, maybe, if you are pure and clean. He said something for all of us to be sufficient. Len. Len meaning never. Len tarani. Len tarani. So don't, don't waste your time there. Like the brothers of today who are trying to teach us Tawheed, they say, well, we should believe that Allah literally is sitting on a chair above the seven heavens. What? We believe Allah says so. But how? We don't know. Because if you believe in it literally, you equate the creator with the creation. I am a human. This is a chair. And I'm sitting on the chair. Is Allah like that? Astaghfirullahaladzim. Nothing to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This takes you away from the reality of the creator almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing equivalent or equal to Allah. Rasulullah says, تَفَكَّرُوا فِي خَلْغِ اللَّهِ Do ponder on the creation of Allah. Do think about the creation of Allah. Do study the creation of Allah. وَلَا تَفَكَّرُوا فِي ذَاتِهِ However, do not think of his essence. Reflect of his essence. فَتَهْلَكُوا You will be destroyed. You will never reach. You will never be able to. Okay. One man. One man only was given that permission. He didn't ask for it. He knew with his position, he can't because he was already told in the Quran, your brother Musa asked, Lan, but we are inviting you. Who is that? Sayyidina Muhammad in the night journey. Okay, in the night journey, he was invited to come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, here we come now, after learning what the Sufis do, is to the journey of the building of the school of the Sauf. There are 
four significant okay situations through which the sufis build this school and the first one in the time of the first generation the greatest tabi'i imam al-hasan al-bisri radiyallahu ta'ala anhu who followed exactly what was inherited from the actions of the Prophet ﷺ and his companion. What did he do? Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Laylum Muqam, he spent his night praying like the Prophet did. Naharum Musam, whatever day that is important to fast, Fart Sunnah or Nafilah he did. Zuhdum fi hadihi dunya and avoiding any love for this material world. Nusukun yuraqqul wujdan wa yuhadhibu al-hawashi wa yuniru al-qalb wa yasmu bil-ruh imanan Okay billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala wa ib'adan lid-dunya wa iqbalan 'ala al-akhirah and striving okay to devote himself to acts of worship that will soften his heart enlighten Okay, his path and raise him spiritually, removing him through his face to Allah, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the dunya and it is love and iqbal and akhirah, just wanting the hereafter, nothing else. This is what Al Hasan al Bisri did, and he knew because Allah said in the Quran, Wal al Indeed, the hereafter, O Muhammad Sallam, is better for you than this lower world. Better. There is no doubt about it. The hereafter is better. And submitting and surrendering to that which Allah and His Messenger gave to us. Knowledge-wise, and practicing that knowledge. There is no way you can become a Sufi without adhering to that. Never. The Sufis look at Tasawuf as Ihsan. That's it. Wallahu yuhibbun muhsinin. Allah loves those who perfect their worship to Allah. They try to perfect everything. So to them to fast, to pray, this is primary. They do it with perfection. They try to do everything that the Sunnah asks of them. They will never neglect any sunnah. They will never neglect any commandment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they try to do more in their extra free time to be closer to Allah. Of those great men who built this school of tasawwuf, okay, Sayyidina Al-Hasan Al-Bisri radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, أنا لست مبتدعا في هذا المسلك. I am not innovating in this religion. وإنما أنا متبع. However, I am one who is following the path of those who were before me. And قدوتي وشيخي, my example and my sheikh, Sayyidina Huzayf ibn al-Yaman, the companion, who was taught by Huzayf ibn al-Yaman. He says, everything I do, who is Hudayf ibn al-Yaman? It is for you to investigate. This is your homework. He is one of the companions 
who used to have a lot of the knowledge, for example, he would know who the hypocrite. He used to hear things, see things. A lot of companions, Allah opened their hearts. They understood some realities not normal in the living because his heart was pure. And he was his teacher. He said, this is my teacher. Okay? غِدْوَتِي وَشَيْخِي سَيِّدِي حُذَيْفَ بْنِ الْيَمَانِ الصَّحَابِي الَّذِي خَصَّهُ اللَّهُ مِنْ بَيْنَ الصَّحَابَةِ بِمَعْرِفَةِ مَقْنُنَ الْعِلْمِ The one whom Allah has chosen him from the midst of all the companions to be given a secret knowledge. وَخَوَاتِرَ الصُّدُورُ وَتَخْفَى Therefore he knew what is hidden in the heart. Allah gave him that. People say, you know the ghayb? Nobody knows the ghayb except Allah, but if Allah says, we can teach people to know. If Allah teaches you, like a dream. If I dreamt something and happened tomorrow, that's ghayb. And I come to you and say to me, I saw you, my dream is going to happen. And it happened. Wow. You think, you know the ghayb? I didn't know the ghayb. I saw it in a dream. Yeah? Suddenly, I give you a film and you watch it. And in this film, it shows you something is going to happen. And then you go to tell the people, well, by the way, this is going to happen now. And it happened. People say, wow, wow. You are somebody who have kashf. You understand that which is hidden. No, you have seen the film. <laughs> you have nothing. You've seen the film. So if Allah wants to teach you the ghayb, he can teach you. إِلَّا مَنِ ارْتَضَى مِنْ رَسُولٍ Allah said, only those who appear, choose and teach them from the hidden, then they will get to know that kind of knowledge. Okay? And from here, from Al-Hasan al-Bisri, the school of the Sawuf started. The first Islamic school of teaching the Sawuf established by Al-Hasan al-Bisri, called Madrasat al-Imam Al-Hasan al-Bisri. The school of the Imam Al-Hasan al-Bisri. What was his teaching on? Az-Zuhd, relinquishing the love of the dunya. Wal-Nusuk, okay? Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with devotion. وَإِبْرَضَ تَصَوُّفِ كَمَدْرَسَ جَامِعَةً And to show people that tasawuf is ihsan. It brings all the knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah to gain together. To put knowledge into practice. Okay? لَبُدَّ مِنْ الْعَمَلِ It must be linked to amal. Al-Hasan al-Bisri used to speak about that which others never heard from anybody. One day, somebody put his hand in his majlis and said, Ya Aba Sa'id, O oh, father of Sa'id, إنك تتكلم في هذا العلم بكلام لم نسمعه من أحد غيرك. ممن أخذت هذا? We hear you speaking about things we have never heard anybody else talk about. From where did you get this knowledge? The one people haggle us today, we shouldn't be angry, because they used to haggle them then, because they want the reality. Okay. فَقَالَ مِنْ حُزَيْفَ بْنِ الْيَمَانِ I took this from the companion Huzaifa. Who can challenge him? That's why you need to know, to know who Huzaifa is. Go on Google. Sheikh, inshallah Google can tell you who Huzaifa is. Uh, and you learn about him. And the best Al-Hasan al-Bisri has done to establish his school is in five things. Number one, إقامت معالم المنهج الصوفي من حيث العمل والسير establishing the Sufi okay, way of living life through action and practice 
نمبر تو توضيح معاني الطريق إلى الله ومقاماته explaining what the طريق is to Allah and what stages this طريق is encompassing and we mentioned those seven stages we spoke about number three توضيحه لمعرفة أنوار البصيرة for the first time there is a scholar in Islam who was talking about enlightening one inner heart not from himself from the Quran because Rasulullah said the believer sees with the light of God the believer will see with the light of God so we need to enlighten our heart to see things to understand things to appreciate things okay and therefore he began to speak about it if Allah put light in your heart then you could see يَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِ بِنُورِ اللَّهِ The believer will see with the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah said in the Quran, أعوذ بالله مشتار رجيم إِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبْصَارِ إِنَّمَا تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبَ الَّتِي هِيَ فَالصُّدُورِ It is not the eyes that are blinded when we carry out wrong things, but it is our hearts that are blinded. Perhaps of lack of dhikr, perhaps of lack of understanding how to appreciate the dhikr. Number four, توضيحه أن الناتج التقوى العلم اللدني. He explained for the first time in the history of the Muslim generation, if you really fear Allah by removing yourself from position and places where Allah has forbidden or Rasulullah has forbidden, this will give you a knowledge from Allah. العلم اللدني is the knowledge from Allah. When Musa عليه السلام claimed to be the most knowledgeable among his people, Allah said not, and sent him to meet Al Khidr عليه السلام. Khidr said to him, don't ask me any question. Why? Because Allah said in the Quran, Musa go to him, he is not one being taught by man. We taught him. وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا Imagine Allah teaching you. Allahu Akbar. People ask me, who taught you this? Say, Allah taught me. But Allah said, every one of us can receive that. وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ And whosoever fear Allah, Allah will teach him. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهِ And do fear Allah by avoiding the haram, Allah will teach you. Allah will guide you. Allah will manifest reality in your hand and make it easy for you to appreciate it. Number five, تَوْضِحَهُ أَنَّ لَيْسَ مُبْتَدِعًا بَلْ مُتَّبِعًا Explaining everything to the people, don't think anything I'm doing is an innovation in the deen. Everything I'm doing, I'm following the path of those who came before me among the companions, specifically my sheikh himself. But, moreover, more than this, these things were not talked about before. Because they are specific to certain people, but you want to say, everybody can achieve them. Everybody can achieve them. The greatest of the spiritual men who had this power, the inner sight of understanding the knowledge, in his time, but he lived and died after them. Number one, Wais al-Qarani, who died in the year 63 Hijri. Wais al-Qarani, his story is beautiful. You read it as well. The Prophet said to the companions, not to all of them, but to Umar, Abu Bakr, Uthman, Ali, there is a man, his name is Wais. Al-Qarani, from Qaran in Yemen. Very simple, but yet very humble. Close to Allah. If you meet him, 
give him, convey my salam to him and ask him to ask Allah to forgive you. Allah said to the Prophet if they wrong themselves and committed sins and they come to you, O Muhammad meaning the companions, and ask you to forgive, ask you to ask me to forgive them, I will forgive them if you ask me. The Prophet could do that. Why did he tell them to go to Uwais? He wanted to show them. If I pass away, there will be men in this Ummah who will have that power. And there is one alive now. Who was that? Uwais al-Qarani. His story, read it. It's really beautiful. And they met him. And he showed them who he is. In fact, they say, when Ali ibn Abdullah came to him and said to him, Are you Uwais? He just said, Ana Abdullah. I'm the servant of God. Like Isa alayhi salam answering the people. Number two, my most beloved, if you go to Egypt, Cairo, you must visit this maqam. I was instructed to visit him. I never visited him before, but I go to his masjid every time I go to Cairo. Ali Zain al-Abidin. Allah is my witness. When you go to his tomb, when he is buried, you feel this is it's not, not normal. There's somebody great buried there. Somebody special. Okay? Ali Zain al-Abdin, Ibn al-Imam al-Husayn, Ibn Fatima al-Zahra, Bint al-Nabi Muhammad sallallahu So Ali, they call him Zain al-Abidin, the best of the worshippers. He was so devoted in all those qualities of the sawuf, he cries all the time worried about not being pleasing to Allah until they say there are two dark lines here from crying. They call him al-Bakka, the crier. Today, with ignorance, when we see a man crying, say, yeah, man, what's this? Only yesterday, the new president of America said about the leader of the minority. Okay, he said, I think he has got a very good okay, trainer or whatever who's training him how to cry. <laughs> he was just putting it on. Crying is not for men or women. Crying is for somebody whom their heart feels. And therefore, Allah described his messengers, the greatest. Allah said, And when they are touched in their heart, they fall into their knees and they put their forehead in the floor and their beard would be filled with tears. Our messenger, sallallahu when he used to see a janazah passing by, he doesn't know which janazah it is. He will stand up. Because the soul is being returned to Allah. He's standing, honoring the soul. Not questioning whether the body is of a Muslim, Majusi, a Yahudi, a Christian, a Kafir. The soul. This is the child of Adam. At home, when your brother is against your path and he is wronging himself, he doesn't say, Nothing to do with me. He's your brother, your blood brother. Blood is thicker than water. What about the spirit then? So in the tariqah, my spiritual father has a greater position than my physical father. So whenever I go anywhere and the, all the mashayikh ask me, who's your father? I don't say, Ahmed Babikir. I say, Sheikh Al-Fatih Qaribullah. And they know. My spiritual father. You see, because spirit is higher than the physical body. And there are many others in that generation who live. This is the first generation of really putting this knowledge of the sawuf in that kind of zuhd, relinquishing the love of the dunya and working for the hereafter. Then came the second stage, and that began in the second generation, second century, Hijri, 
after the year 100 Hijri. And there are many, many men who really put the school of the Sauf in its position that we find today. Contrary to what is being said by the Orientalists, who said Islam came later on, taken from Hinduism, Buddhism, Rabash, all this nonsense, and contrary to some of the Muslim scholars who have got no understanding, they know the reality is there, is written in the book of the past. People like Sifian al Sauri, he's one of the greatest of it, and they read his books and they love him very much. But he said it, and he said this, sir, he lived in the earlier generation. I'll mention some of those names just for the calling of the blessing of Allah, for what they have done. May Allah bless all their soul. Number one, Habib al-Ra'i. Allahu Akbar. One of the greatest scholars you will read about. Number two, Habib al-Ajami. Allahu Akbar. Number three, Muhammad ibn Wasi'. One of those scholars who really put a lot of knowledge. All those scholars I mentioned, they wrote. They put a lot of good things. And by the way, the Islamic library, it's only their library. I can't find in the early generation all of those men who wrote everything. Number four, Al-Abid al-Tamimi. Number five, one of the most beloved to the Sufis, Malik ibn Dinar. He is so beautiful. Seriously, when you read about him, you want to be him because he knew exactly who Allah is, the way he behaved. Number six, Ayyub al-Sijistani. Ayyub al-Sijistani. Number seven, Farqad al-Sabkhi. Farqad al-Sabkhi. Number eight, Hamid ibn Tarfan. Hamid ibn Tarfan. Number nine, Udba al-Ghulam. This one is also beautiful. When you read his stories. Why am I saying them? Because if you pass, there are a lot of wisdom from these men, a lot of direction, a lot of advice in their writing. When you look at their writing, there is something extra. They write Quran to give evidence. They write Hadith, but then they write from themselves. When I look at the books of today, it's all cut and paste. There's nothing. You're not telling me anything. Not, you didn't write a book. It's all copying. You can't say I wrote a book. I'm yet to find the book. Yet there are those who are translating books. Yeah, My brother here is one of them. Mashallah. Taking a sheikh book, that's fine. But to write a book, to say, I wrote a book, it should be with inspiration. You are adding something to us. We can benefit from But to cut and paste is not really a book. Okay? And then, number 10, Abdul Wahid ibn Zayd, also a great scholar. And number 11, Uthman ibn Sharik al-Kufi. And we spoke about him before. This is a great man. Uthman ibn Sharik al-Kufi. He is, subhanallah, the greatest student of Al-Hasan al-Bisri. And he used to call him Uthman al-Sufi. I challenge anybody to come and say this where Sufi came later. Al-Hasan al-Bisri lived and died in the year 110, Hijri. This was his student. And before the year 100, when he was started his school, he used to call him Uthman al-Sufi. Because he used to wear a, a Sufi. Or a Suf Jubba, a woolen garment, okay? And he was one of the best. He traveled and left Basra after he finished his education and went to a place called Ramla in Palestine. And he built the first Khanaga, Zawiya, okay? 
a duera, as they call it in Palestine. Okay? A place to feed the poor and the needy and to come together to remember Allah and learn to be close to Him. That's the first Sufi gathering place. Sufi Darga. Okay? It was built in Palestine by this great man. And he lived in the same time when Sufyan al was living. And Sufyan al read about him. One of the greatest scholars. Everybody agree upon him. What did he say about him? He said, Lawla Abu Hashim ma'arif tu riya. If it is not for this Abu Hashim, I will never know the hidden, okay, very subtle ways of showing off. Because some people, when they look at ways of removing yourself from the past, riya, showing off, you might think, if I show off by acting in this world, maybe sometimes you do simple things and they are dangerous. You don't think you are showing up, but you are showing up. He said, I learned this from him. And the great noble Sufi man. What this second generation did, other than the first generation, they concentrated on seven areas as well. Number one, they spoke a lot about Allah's oneness, MashaAllah, alaykum wassalam, and Tawheed. They really concentrated in the oneness of Allah and Tawheed. They spoke a lot about it. They mentioned a lot of the most beautiful things. Okay? One of their great scholars wrote books about it later on. Number two, they were honoring. Okay? Allah's Sha'air. Come forward, you see the Anas. The Kaaba, the Black Stone, the Maqam of Ibrahim. They did not look at them as physical. Okay? Creation of Allah that we should worship Him through them. But they realize there is an inner secret. So when you go to the Kaaba, a lot of people, by the way, they're eager, they want to go and do their Hajj or Umrah, and they are tested the moment they arrive there. They look at the Kaaba, and they behave just, just, just stones. They're people fighting of the rocks, and they're just stones. They lose all that Haiba. All that ore is gone. That's very bad. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Whosoever honor this sha'ir, this okay, places Allah has chosen, it is a sign of one piety in his heart. It's not something that you take easy. Don't you ever go there and look at it. It's nothing. Or do something terrible there. Allah is watching you. Allah has put it there for a reason. Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab, when he came to the black stone, he looked at it and said, you are just a stone. By Allah Almighty God, if I did not see the messenger kissing you, I will not kiss you. I have to do it because he did this salasana. So we don't question these things. Okay? Number three, for the first time, they began to speak about Al-Uns Billah. Al-Uns literally meaning to make your time always busy having that pleasure in your heart by remembering Allah. And removing yourself from anything will make your heart busy other than Allah. Be with Him and leave everything beside Him. Then everything beside Him will be easy in your heart. Allah will make it easy for you. So this term al-uns, they began to talk about it as a term. Number four, 
For the first time, they began to speak about the importance of the term Zaman or Zaman time. Talking about time in the past, present, and future. And they began to bring terminology such as that which has gone can never be returned. That which is in the future is in the hand of Allah, not worry about it. You should worry about your present. And there is a lot being written about this subject because a lot of us sometimes worry too much about that which passed or that which is not gonna. It makes it so sad when two people are arguing and they say, but, but you did that, but it's done already. I'm sorry, I, I know I was wrong and I have done it. Please forgive me, but you have done it, but I did it. I can't just say, okay, let's bring it back and undo it. <laughs> if only the two people are quarreling at the time, they listen to themselves. How foolish it is. Wallahi al-Azim. Most of our things were like kids. How can somebody not to forgive when somebody comes and say, I'm sorry, it happened, but you did it. Of course I did it. So I'm saying I'm sorry. Does it make sense? No. <coughs> so please, let us, and the Sufis try to make it easier. Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib says, Al-waqt kasayf. Illam taqta'ahu qata'ak. Time is like a sword. If you don't travel in it properly and do the right things in the right time, then it will pass you by. You get nothing out of it. And you are going to be asked about it in the grave. The first thing you question about, who is your Lord? Who is that man who was sent to you? What faith were you following? What book did you receive? And your time, and how did you spend it? Well, I used to really love gossip. Chit-chatting was really just a pleasure. I can't wait to meet my friend after work and we should chat. Cricket, wow, just my life. All these things. You see. Yes, you can have some of those things, but don't. Be very careful. Allah, if you read the Quran, Allah talk about these things as waste. It will not bring you any good, it might bring you harm rather than good. So be careful. Number five, talking about presence with Allah in every place and every time. They began to talk about the presence of Allah. Allah is present with you. Allah is with you wherever you might be. They start opening this. What does it mean? Today, the foolish one will say, you can't say that. I asked one of them why. He said, can Allah be with you in the toilet? I said, are you crazy? Allah is not a being. You're talking about... This is silly. You shouldn't talk like that. Allah said, I am with you wherever you are. He is with you. Allah is closer than you, to you than you juggle him. What does closeness mean here? Physically? We don't know. Allah is Rasulullah. But he's close to me. I know he's with me. This is what you should believe. I know Allah is with me wherever I am. Looking at me, seeing everything I do, hearing everything that utters from my tongue. Not just that, every hidden thing in my heart I know of, he knows. And even that which is hidden within me, and I don't know, he knows. Allah knows the secret and even the hidden secret from me. Number six. الاتحاد في العبادة والتشدد فيها For the first time they began to teach people striving through worship and making sure your worship is perfected so they began to write books of fiqh from tahara okay to going to hajj in detail from buying and selling from marriage and divorce they wrote beautiful things okay a lot of them established their knowledge through that number seven Allah Loving Allah and yearning to be close to Him. 
And subhanallah, of all these people at that time, the most famous, and this is to show Islam more than any other religion, the most famous of somebody who's thrived in the Sufi past and became the greatest to all scholars, even Al-Hasan Basri himself, is Rabi Al-Adawi, Oman. And they don't mention her. And there are many other women. And when you push them, those who are trying to be hard, they only mention some of the women who fought in the battles, in jihad. They went out and they fought. So I always, when they say it, I say, okay. Wear their mahram with them. Come with me, husband, we are fighting. Oh, they used to go and serve and help the companion who were wounded. When they are men, were they looking? Yeah, of course they were doing. Did they need a mahram? All this nonsense, like Taliban shutting all the schools, closing all the television. What is nonsense? Or breaking them down, taking all the videotape. What's this? Does it make any sense? You keep knowledge, the good, you learn, the bad, you avoid. This is what Rasulullah taught us. Rabi al Adawiyah, by the way, died in the year 180. Have you ever heard about Rabi'ah, but she's a Sufi or not? Every time people talk about Rabi'ah, she's a Sufi. Everybody knows. How dare somebody comes, being an Orientalist, being an whatever, fundamentalist, whatever you can call them, all those people who talk and they say, well, the Sufis came in the 7th century Hijri. Rubbish. She died in the 2nd century. She is one of the greatest Sufi women, and there are many others like her. Okay. Sufyan al-Thawri, the great scholar everybody speak about. One day, one of his companions, his name is Jafar ibn Sulaiman, says, regarding those noblest, pious men and women. Whenever I used to come to Sufyan al-Sawri, he will always talk about Rabi'ah. One day I was coming and he was going. He held my hand and said to me, Murbi ilal mu'addaba. Pass with me to the house of the well-behaved, well-mannered, well-nurtured. Alati la ajiduni astarihi da faraktuha. The one whom I find myself uncomfortable if she is distant from me. Is he making ghazal? If he is a man of physical love for a woman? No. Because she is devoted to Allah, everybody loves her. Everybody loves Rabi al-Adawiyah. And she is a woman, and she traveled by herself, she went to the mountains. Today people say to any woman, <coughs> you shouldn't do this. Many of you sitting here, people say, well, why are you here? Women should sit at home. So, where did this come from? Not really from Muhammad Wasallam. Okay. This generation of the second century, from 101 until 200, ended with the best men, beginning with Ibrahim ibn Atham of Mecca, who died in the year 161 Hijri. Everybody knows he's Sufi. Sufyan al-Thawri, who died in the year 161 as well. Daoud al-Ta'i, one of the greatest Sufis, died in the year 165. Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, read about him, he's a good man, died in the year 187. <coughs> Shagigh al-Balakhi. His story is absolutely fascinating. His wisdom, his devotion, his love. Please read. I can't talk about him now, but there are things I wish to, I can tell, but I can't. Time. But this man, if you just read about him, you realize 
really this tasawwuf is the greatest thing. Because this man makes tasawwuf very beautiful. The way he lived it, not the way he talked about it. His life. He used to talk about the Prophet He didn't live. He didn't see him physically. But he talked about him as if he was living with him. Radiallahu anhu. He died 194. Ma'ruf al-Karakhi, who died the year 200. And Ma'ruf al-Karakhi, when you talk about the chain of the people who taught Sufism, always, every tariqah goes to Ma'ruf al-Karakhi. What a lucky man. Everybody. He linked his chain to see the Ma'ruf al-Karakhi. Okay. So they say, at the end of the silsila of the tariqah, when you, when you take a tariqah bay'ah from a sheikh, you take, the sheikh will say, I am giving you an oath of allegiance to Allah gained from my sheikh, gained from his sheikh until Rasulullah to Jibreel, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, and that's the greatest honor to have that. And this is from the Quran, the bay'ah. Next week, inshallah, we'll talk about the bay'ah, should you give a bay'ah, and what happens if you don't give a bay'ah, when you don't follow a tariqah, all these things, because there are some Sufis who are not really Sufis, who say if you are not following a tariqah, you are not all this nonsense and all this rubbish. So we will explain that and how it should be taken seriously, not to talk. But Ma'ruf al-Karakhi took from Da'ud al-Ta'i. And he also took from a great scholar called Farqad al-Sabhi. And he took from Al-Hasan al-Bisri, from Ali ibn Abi Talib, from Rasulullah from Jibreel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Hasan al-Bisri also took from Sufyan, from, from Anas ibn Malik. And Anas took from Rasulullah And this we'll talk about in details inshallah next week. The third stage of growing the tariqah and building the Sufi school in the third century from the year 201 to 300. It began by a very beautiful sheikh called Abu Sulaiman al-Darani. I pray for all the time. He's a special man. You know, when I'm reading about their name and talking about them, there are those whom I, I talk about as if I lived with them and I know them. And there are those, I read about them, but there is a distance. And this is from the Prophet ﷺ said, The spirits, when they were close in the world of the spirits, they will be close here. So I feel, maybe they were close to them, so we feel closer to them now. So, Sulaiman al-Darani, his story is beautiful. He died in the year 215. And this generation ends with, with the death of a sheikh called Mimshad al-Dainuri. He died 299, Mimshad al-Dainuri. So between Sulaiman al-Darani and Mimshad al-Dainuri came the scholars that really written okay, what we have today as the knowledge of the soul properly. Put it and it is the most beautiful way we can see, beginning with Bishr al-Hafi. In the year 227, he died. Bishr al-Hafi. Then Ahmad ibn Abil Hawari al-Dimishqi, who died 230. Then al-Harith al-Muhasib al-Baghdadi, who died 243. And then our sheikh from where I come from, Zannun al-Masri, who died in 254. I have his books at home. When I am feeling yani, good with myself, I open his books. Because some of the best writing that you read to enlighten you or to give you joy 
Some people, when they read novels, they feel very good. Some people, when they read, for example, listen to songs, they feel very good. For me, when I read the wisdom of wise men, that is not said in the Quran, not said in the Sunnah, but by them, or poetry of the wise men, like Busairi, even Allama Iqbal of Pakistan, when I read his poetry, it, it really gives me joy. Imam Busairi's poetry is beautiful, and so on. So here, the Nun al-Masri, he has got beautiful wisdom. If you can find something in English, read. As-Suray al-Sagati, there is a difference in understanding when he died. Some people say 253, some people say 257. Doesn't, doesn't matter, but he died before 260 anyway. Then Yahya ibn Ma'az al-Razi. Anybody knows al-Razi? Imam al-Razi, rahmatullah 258, a great scholar. And then the scholar, that there is some controversy about what some of the things he said, but he is one of the noblest in Islam, and I love him very much, Abu Yazid al-Bustami. Al-Bustami. He, he talked about يعني, wahda, the spirit within and the spirit of God as one, but the way people interpreted it from him, a lot of the scholars who know, they said, this is not the way he means it. He's a good man. He then really, when you read his writing, he's a beautiful. Anybody who's Naqshabandi, your tariqa is going through him. Abu Yazid al-Bastami. Anybody. If you are having a Naqshabandi tariqa, it goes to Abu Sadiq, it goes through Abu Yazid al-Bastami. So he's a great scholar, he's a good man. Number f- uh, eight, Abu Hafs al-Haddad. Al-Bastami died 261. Abu Hafs al-Haddad died 265. Then came Hamdun al-Ghassar, Hamdun al-Ghassar, who died 271. Then one of the greatest, whom I read about a lot, Sahlat Satri, or a Tustri, some people say. Sahlat Tustri, 273, he died. And then our Imam, all the Sufis, link themselves to one man who made the Tariqa, the Tariqa, because he was the wisest of all the Tariqa men, who built the school of the Sawf the way it is we see today, Al-Imam Al-Junaid. Yani, it is a very, very beautiful thing to read about Al-Imam Al-Junaid, Abu Al-Qasim, his name, Abu Al-Qasim Al-Junaid, 297 he died. And at the end, as I said, Al-Dainuri, who died 299. What does this generation, the third generation, was distinguished from the two earlier ones, it was distinguished by five things. Wuduh, Mukhawimat, Manhajat Tasawuf. They put the Sufi way in a very clear way for others to understand. It's nothing new, it's nothing added, it is Islam, but a way to perfect one practice of understanding Islam to reach Allah through that which the Prophet Sallam. And the greatest of the companion did as the optional acts, the nafila. They clarify that clearly. Al-Hadith am maqamat al-Tasawuf. They explain for the first time the stages of the journey of the Sufi. Okay? Properly. And they wrote about it. And these stages, they mention like al-Fana. Okay? To always diminish the living of the world here. And linking to the hereafter. Al-Mahabba, love. Beautiful. Imam Al-Ghazali took from those men 
of that time and wrote in Ihya al beautiful thing. He have a very beautiful book called al Everybody who doesn't understand love, read this book. al yeah? Have you read it? Yes. Beautiful. Really, absolutely. Our 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 people are just people who love nothing else. Because they believe you should have an a yearning to know and you have a love for what you yearn for and you have a taste of what you are yearning for. This is what they do. And Imam Al Ghazali mentioned those things Al Hub was Shawk Okay, this is his book. Arrida, okay, to accept the will of Allah, was shuhud, to witness Allah in every creation, wal baqa, and to understand nothing will remain but Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, wal tawheed, and to immerse yourself in His oneness. Nothing but Allah. We believe in Allah, we trust in Allah, we depend upon Allah, we turn only to Allah, we seek from none but Allah, and for sure, we fear nothing but Allah. This is the way of the Sufis. Yeah. Number three, At-Tarkiz ala al-Madarik al-Ma'rifiyya al-Ihtimam biha. They concentrated on all the different ways of understanding this deen in the different areas of knowledge. Okay? And how to benefit from them. And they gave a lot of attention in their writing to that. Number four, انتشار دائرة التصوف لتشمل العديد من الجهات they managed to spread تصوف to a lot of different areas تصوف was in مكة initially and مدينة then moved to بغداد and كوفة okay and بصرة and Iraq mashallah got a lot of that beautiful and then it spread it came up to Spain it went up to Russia it went everywhere I challenge anybody who can say otherwise Islam was only spread by those men. Contrary to what the uh, crusaders, contrary to what the orientalists will say, Islam is spread by the sword, no way. Any group that took the sword is nothing to do with Khawarij, just like those people. Can you say in 200 years' time, Daesh have spread Islam? Can you say Boko Haram spread Islam in West Africa? Can you say Al-Shabaab in East Africa spread Islam? People hate them. They are killing people. This is not this is not the way. A sword will never compel you. Allah said in the Quran, La ikraha fi deen. There is no compulsion in religion. And the Americans say, period. That's it. La ikraha fi deen. The only way to spread Islam is by love. And the only people who knew and understood love are the Sufis. You don't find anybody who doesn't study the soft right about love. It's a word that they only consider it to be a physical word. I love you. In that sense. But that's not the way it is. Number five and the last one. اهتمام علماء التصوف بكل العلوم ونشرها All the scholars of Sufism at that time, they began to take too much concern about all the different aspects of the knowledge. Because nothing in the time of the Prophet was written. There is no knowledge of fiqh, knowledge of seerah, knowledge of... No. There is this Quran and Hadith. There is ulama al-Quran and ulama al-Hadith. Anas ibn Malik, Abu Huraira. These are the people of the Hadith. Abdullah ibn Umar al-Khattab, the scholars of Hadith. 
the other side, Kaab and the rest of them, Abdullah ibn Abbas, these are the scholars of the Quran. Yeah, that's it. But these scholars then, they looked at their predecessors and began to put the knowledge properly. Go and look at the library of Islam and you'll find what I'm saying is there. Then came the next generation, okay, and began just after the year 300 Hijri, at the beginning of the fourth uh, century of Islam, and it went up to the end of the fifth century. They began to write everything about Tasawuf as a subject, okay. Began, Junaid began writing at that time, and he said a very clear statement. طريقنا مبني على الكتاب والسنة. Our path is built upon the Quran and the Sunnah. For someone to come and say the Sufi has nothing to do with Islam, rubbish. For any Sufi who says, "Well, I'm a Sufi, I'm not a Muslim," rubbish. Or anybody to say, "I'm too big for fasting every Ramadan and praying five times a day. I have, I went beyond that. I'm now a Sufi. It's rubbish. Nothing to do with Islam. Proper Islam is following everything." He said one beautiful thing, and I'm going to finish with Imam Al-Junaid in this. All the paths are locked or closed for the creation who are trying to seek Allah. However, only the one who will follow the footstep of the Messenger and carried out his example in his lifetime. وَلَذِمَ طَرِيقَتَهُ Listen here. وَلَذِمَ And followed the tariqa of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. فَإِنَّ طُرُقَ الْخَيْرَاتِ كُلَّهَا مَفْتُوحَ عَلَيْهِ For indeed, the turuq, the path in plural of the goodness, is all open to the Prophet Any path you take, it will reach you there. Look at a wise man who says this at the beginning of building the school of Tasawuf. Today there are many tariqas. People come and say to me, well, this is the division in Islam. Let me end with this. I say to those people who say the school of Tasawuf are dividing the Muslims. And the Prophet ﷺ has said my ummah will divide into 73 groups. Only one will go to heaven, 72 will go to hell. Let me tell this unaware seeker of the truth saying without understanding the Prophet says 73. Not 74, not 72. 73. Ummati, my ummah will divide into 73 groups. 72 will go to hell, one will go to heaven. There are more than 73 groups of Tasawuf in the world. Different school of Tasawuf. There are many of them. That doesn't fit there. Some of them they say, well, the Madahib as well. There are known today five clear Madhabs Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi'i, Hanbali, and Ja'fari. There are other mazahib, but they are very small. But these are the five main big mazahib of Islam in the Shia and the Sunnah. They are not 73. How could the mazahib be that, what the Prophet said? Yet I will go further and I will say to those people, the mazahib are a school of fiqh. The mazahib are a school of fiqh. There used to be 13. It started with Hassan al-Bisri in his school. He made a school of fiqh as well. And Sufyan al-Thawri had a school. But their school were so rigid they could not continue. But those five, they were easier for people to carry, so they were followed, they were lucky enough. Perhaps maybe Allah wanted Sufyan al-Sawri, Hassan al-Bisr to carry in the Sawf, maybe. So the school of jurisprudence is teaching you 
how to live your physical life and to worship Allah through your rituals and your muamalat, your interaction with others. Your five pillars of Islam and your birth to your death and your interaction in buying and selling. This is fiqh schools and it is needed. There came a generation about 70, 80 years ago they said there is no madhahib in Islam. They were challenged again and again and again and they had no place but to surrender. They said, well, there is. We are humble Islam. Okay. We follow Imam Ahmed. But Imam Ahmed is the greatest Sufi. <laughs> His Sheikh was Sufi. Huh? Shafi'i was Sufi himself. Alhamdulillah, Rabbulah. These are our Imams. Okay. If you are following him, Alhamdulillah, now we come to the Sufis. Now they began to say, this tariqa business is, is, is dividing the Muslim. And I said, no. The tariqa is a school of nurturing. A Muslim who is following the fiqh school to become the best of humans. Nothing else. It's a school of behavior. Allah is my witness. Allah is my witness. When I was a teacher in Islamia, I always treated the teachers, the parents, the leadership of the schools, anybody who come to me through the Sufi way. When I left, one day I was walking to my house. I was, there was only about two minutes left. A father peeped for me and sat me. One of those people who used to disagree with me in Tasawwuf has nothing to do with Islam. And he said to me, you know, Sheikh, I want to submit one thing to you now. I want to, uh, by Allah Almighty God, I didn't know before. And I didn't accept what you used to do and everything. Everybody used to like what you do. And I was against what you do. He was very hardcore. But today, I realized, after you left the school, the only people who can nurture the human spirit are the Sufis. And my son who's sitting behind me, please, I ask you, I want to send him to Sudan to a Sufi school. I said, what? Are you, are you off your mind? You are against the Sufis? No, 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 no. I realized. Maybe we are good at Tawheed and this and that, but you are good at Tarbiya. And my son said, Alhamdulillah. So that's the job of the Sufis. The Sufis is, we call it Tarbiya, nurturing. They take the Murid, and therefore their Murid is the one who wants the truth. Murid al-Haq, we call him. If you want the truth, if you want Allah, you can never find him anywhere but with them. Next week, inshallah, we come, we explain. Okay? The Turuq, how they are structured, and who follow them, and I give you some of the chains, and inshallah, some aspect of what the Tariqa teaches to purify you to become the better Muslim. Anybody have a question, please? And then we can finish. Anybody? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. That is called wasila. This is to show you the Sufis. They only ask from Allah because they know the person they call upon. Okay, for intercession. He is only interceded by knowing that he has no power, no will, but Allah. Just like me or you, somebody saying to me, drink this zamzam will give you shifa. If you trust and believe them, them can give you shifa. It's wrong. Zamzam doesn't just water. But zamzam is the means to shifa. Because Allah is shafi. You understand? When you read ruqya, the verses don't give you shifa. Who gives the shifa? Allah. 
When you take aspirin, does aspirin cure you or Allah cure you? All of us think, oh, if I have a headache, two tablets will take my headache away. Tablets don't take your headache away. You believe in that. But Allah takes away the headache. You see? And therefore we say, man iqtana' intafa' wa man lam yaqtana' lan yantafa'. This is a, a Sufi quotation. Whosoever trusts and believes will benefit, and whosoever does not trust or believe will not benefit. I told my brothers and sisters before, uh, our Sheikh, Rahmatullah Ali, a Christian lady who had a skin condition that could not be healed. She went all over the world, Canada, America, Germany, any consultant, any doctor, there's no shifa. She went to her own people in the church. She's a Coptic lady. So somebody said to her, there is this Sufi Sheikh, this Sufi school. Go to see them, maybe they have got something. So she came. She put the scarf in her head and came and sat down with the ladies and the sheikh wife is sitting there and the sheikh lady, she's just a normal housewife. So the sheikh wife was a little bit worried. What this Christian woman is doing? What is she, what is she here? I don't want people to talk that I'm doing something bringing Christian women because there is a lot of tension between the Christian in the Middle East. And the lady said, oh, look, I, I have a condition and I came and I want the sheikh to read for me. The lady was so puzzled, the, the wife, what to do? Her husband is busy with the men. So what she did is, she said to her, I will talk in a minute for him. And the lady kept waiting, waiting, waiting. And then she kept, oh, please, I, I, I need him to see. So she went inside her room, what shall I do? Then she went to the kitchen, took a bottle, cleaned it, opened the tap, filled it with water, closed it, said to her, take this water and drink it. The lady left and felt Allah Akbar, this Sufi Sheikh read for me, this is a water that had been recited upon, Alhamdulillah, she went and drank it, washed her body from it. A week or ten days later, she came, she looked beautiful. Everything is gone. With flowers and cakes and presents. And she came to the lady. The lady was shocked. What brick again here? I'm coming just to say thank you to the sheikh. Really, mashallah. I will do anything he wants. She said to her, put, put. she felt embarrassed. What to say to the sheikh? Little she know, the sheikh knows. So when the lady left the present went, the sheikh came and said, what is this? Said, I'm embarrassed to tell you. This is the story. And I gave the woman this water. He said to her, it's neither me nor you nor the water but Allah gives shifa. But her faith in us, that we know Allah and Allah can heal, Allah healed her. That's how he, Allah said, وَمِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ And some verses and surahs of the Quran can be a means for healing, for curing. By the permission of Allah. Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam said to his people that I can raise the dead. I can heal the leper. I can do this and that, but by the permission of Allah. Bi'idhnillah. So may Allah give us tawfiq and shifa. Jazakumullah khair. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim mubarik ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Salata abdin qallat hilatahu. Rasulallahi wasilatahu. وأنت لها يا إلهي ولكل كرب عظيم ففرج عنا ما نحن فيه بسر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إلى شرف النبي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم وإلى إخوانه من الأنبياء والمرسلين والملائكة والمقربين والعالين وإلى عباد الله الصالحين من أهل السماوات والأرض خاصة روح القضب الغوث والأغفاب والأوتاد والأبدال والنجب والنقب والملامتية رجال الغيب أجمع ربات من خاصة صاحب الزمان المهد المنتظر عليه السلام والخضر عليه السلام ويس القرني عليه السلام 
سيدنا بكر الصديق عمر الفاروق عثمان بن عفان علي بن ابي طالب والعشر المبشرين بالجنه وازواج النبي محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم خاصه خديجه وحفصه وعائشه يا رب العالمين اولاده الطيب والقاسم وابراهيم وبناته زينب وروقي وام كلثوم وفاطمه الزهراء والحسن والحسين وسائر الشهداء خاصه شهداء بدر واحد الخندق والاحزاب والحمزه والعباس عبد الله بن عباس عبد الله بن عمر الخطاب عبد الله بن مزعود عبد الله بن عمرو بن عاص رب العالمين ابو هريره وانس بن مالك وسائر الصحابة وكل من حدثوا عن رسول الله وكل من فسروا كتاب الله يا الله يا الله يا الله إلى الحسن البصري والجنيد والكرخي أبداد البسطاني محدين العربي والأمام الغزالي حسن الجباوي وحاطم الطائي وسائر أهل زمانهم وإلى سيدنا إبراهيم بن أتهم رابع العدوية سفيان الثوري ذنون المصري عمر بن الفارض يا كريم وكل من كانوا معهم في زمانهم برحمتهم يا الله يا رحيم خاصة ابن شريك يا كريم أحمد الرفاعي الكبير والتشتي والسهر وردي والنقشبندي سيد عبد القادر الجيلاني أحمد البادي أحمد الرفاعي سيد مراد السوق حسن الشاذلي وكل ولي سيدنا أحمد بن إدريس رضي الله عنه أحمد التجاني يا رب العالمين وسائر المشايخ والأولياء والصالحين خاصة آل بيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم آل الحداد ولا العيدروس ولا الحبشي ولا العلوي يا كريم وسائر الآل برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين سيدي الدردير سيدي الصاوي سيدي الحبني سيدي أبو كريسي سمان الشيخ الطيب ود البشير وشود الذين محمد قلب الله سيدي وسادي والدي محفاتي قريب الله رضي الله عنه سيدنا الشيخ حسن يا كريم والشيخ حسن وتحسونه والشيخ ادريس ودباب شيخ شدو الشرع والشيخ ازرق طيبه يا كريم والشيخ والدولي برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين والشيخ الصابونابي دفع الله صايم ديما محمد حسن الادريس يا كريم والبرعي والجعلي يا ارحم الراحمين والجيلاني والشيخ زين العابدين برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين الشيخ موسى الاحمر وسائر المشايخ والاولياء والصالحين خاصه العلوي المالكي وسيد محمد العلوي المالكي عبد القادر السقاف يا الله يا رحمن أحمد المشهور أحمد الرحمن الرحيم أحمد حمادة برحمتك يا كريم وسائر المشايخ في مصر خاصة يا رب العالمين من الشيخ صالح الجعفري والشيخ عبد الغني صالح الجعفري يا كريم اغفر لهم وارحموا عني مغاماتهم وأبكر الحداد من زهير الدنيا يا كريم لهم يا ربنا ولمن حضرنا في هذا المكان جميعا ثوى الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين ويريد سبيشال فاتحة فور المشايخ محمد عثمان سراج الدين محمد عثمان سراج الدين الشيخ كرم الله يا رحم الراحمين شيخ إبراهيم نياس برحمتك يا كريم شيخ محمد ناظم العديل الحقاني يا كريم وسائر المشايخ والأولياء والصالحين وكل من حضر إلى هذه البلاد منهم وفقنا لنشر هذا الدين بمحبة من عندك يا كريم anybody who's seeking from Allah anything may Allah fulfill for them especially those who are seeking knowledge may Allah open the door of knowledge for them those who are single may Allah make it easy for them to find the right partners يا كريم those who are students may Allah make them successful in their education Those who are seeking work, may Allah provide for them. Those who are employing people, may Allah increase their sustenance. And the children, may Allah raise them to be pious and righteous. Our parents who passed away, may Allah raise them to a high place in Jannah. And those who are alive, may Allah give them long life with obedience. And may Allah forgive our sins and exchange our bad deeds to good deeds. And may Allah accept us and give us tawfiq for dunya wa akhira. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين 
الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين جزاكم الله خيرا فتح الله